Welcome in, everybody, to another edition, Landry Football Conference Call, College Football Edition, ACC and beyond today, as we wrap up a great night in New Orleans with the national championship. LSU is the national champion, as you know by now. We're going to review the game and break it down. want to remind you, again, as we switched it, and we started it yesterday, so you may not be familiar with it, we made a little bit of an adjustment as we got through the first of the year and got through the bowl games and and, uh, figured it would be a good time as we tried to expand this and improve this. We're bringing you a college football show five days a week. And what we're going to do each and every day at the top, talk about the biggest news happening in college football for that day, analyze it for you, explain it for you, give you some inside information, everything that you love about the world of college football every day at the top. And then we're going to go into even more details within each conference, but we're going to take a different conference each day or else the podcast would be way too long and you wouldn't have time to listen to it. So we want to provide something to you to wear every day. If you're a fan of, regardless what conference you're a fan of, or all of them, you're going to get something every day that you can learn from, information, get feedback uh, in college football. So we can answer your questions, and we'll answer them regardless, you know, as we get them. I'll answer them as soon as we can get them, and we'll get them up there for you. So the way it'll work, again, talk college football on a national scope every day. Get into the minutiae of the conferences, uh, one conference each day. And that's SEC. We did that yesterday on Mondays. On Tuesdays, today it's ACC. Wednesdays it's Big Ten. Thursdays Big 12 and Friday, the Pac-12. So, again, you want to understand, and, and it's a little bit different as we're we're calling it SEC and beyond, ACC and beyond, Big Ten and beyond, Big 12 and beyond, Pac-12 and beyond, because we're going to talk about things outside of that conference as needed, as relevant, and certainly talk about big issues around the G5 schools. So, understand that. And I don't want to get any, well, I can't believe you're, this ACC show you're talking about. Look, we're going to talk about Clemson and, and LSU because of the ACC. But, you know, if, if the, we're also going to talk about some other things that may not be as related. And there's so much interconnectivity with the college game that we, something that I wanted to do. And so appreciate your support on all of that. I think you're going to love it, and we appreciate your feedback, as always, to try to make this better. It is also very important for us to thank and recognize the support that the great folks at 401k Generation have provided to this podcast and our work. They came on board with us oh, sometime during the fall been with us as we start the new year to bring you, again, five days a week, updated daily, Monday through Friday, college football talks. They are the experts in financial services, whether it's a 401k issue, an IRA issue, any issues related to money management, investments, 
just someone to speak with to make sure that you're on track to meet your financial goals. Eddie Rojas and his team at 401k Generation is who you need to reach out to today. They're licensed in all 50 states. So they can help you regardless of where you are listening to this in the continental United States. You can call or text at one 866 998-5879. And we'll also tell you in a little bit about how you can become part of this podcast if we want to promote your business. So again, we've transitioned all five conference shows into one channel. So you can get all of your college football insight into one place. So as we do that, want you go to search iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and search for Landry Football's conference call. That's where you're going to find all five podcasts. So you don't have to sign up for the ACC, the SEC, the Big Ten, the Big – no, no, no. Sign up for Landry Football's conference call, and that will get you all of them. And, again, if you're not a fan of a particular conference that's on that day, listen to the first part of it because – you might miss something that's going to be pertaining to your conference on Pac-12 Day, even if you're an SEC or an ACC fan. So make sure that you do that today. So we will have all of those shows up for you. And again, reminder about LandryFootball.com where you want to get all the latest detailed information. We can't cover everything in the shows every day, but we get a lot more detail in our notebooks, in our analysis, every day on LandryFootball.com. So take advantage of it. Now, folks, we still have our holiday savings special up. Uh, Wanted to extend that a little bit longer for you to take advantage. That's 50% off. We do have some news and notes today. we got a new coach at Washington State. We've got an outstanding quarterback that ironically – announced he's going into the transfer portal. De'Ara King from Houston. We said that, didn't we? For those of you that are followers of LandryFootball.com, when he decided to redshirt himself, we said he wasn't coming back to Houston. He was going to be transferring. Well, we'll, where will he be transferring to? Oh, we'll be tracking that for you. It's going to be real interesting. We've got a few little... News and notes nuggets in the ACC, but we've got a lot of that in the notebooks. So, also, real quick, I was A.J. Apenza, one of the best defensive ends in the country in a first-round draft pick, has declared for the NFL draft. But we want to get into, and again, as we we uh, going to spend time today breaking down the national championship game. As we get into, people have asked me, what are you going to do now that the season's over? Well, stay tuned and find out, folks. It's, I think, going to be the best time to listen because we're going to provide you news and notes every day of what's going on, whether it's transfer news, whether it's recruiting news, uh, whether it's your favorite schools, players in the draft. Uh, we've got all that covered for you. So, We've got a lot that we're going to provide for you on a daily basis right here. But let's get to the news at hand, the game at hand, the story of the day, the story of the year. It definitely was the year 
of the LSU Tigers. It's a perfect example of what can be if you're willing to embrace change, if you're willing to look inward and see how you can be better. And, you know, sometimes it's just, I just believe that luck is a residue of design and desire. I think you just got to keep working at it and working at it. And there's some things that come together that, and maybe in an unusual way, gives you a perspective that you don't always get. It's something that, you know, we've seen LSU, and you know the story by now. Ed Orgeron was kind of an afterthought in getting hired for LSU. He wanted the job, being a Louisiana guy, was kind of forced into making certain hires initially. But after having some success and kind of standing up for himself to the former athletic director, was able to make a change and remove his first hire as offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, bring in the guy that was on his staff that he wanted, Steve Ensminger. But then after struggling to score any points against Alabama last year, decided we needed to do something different. Embraced it. What do I always say? The importance of, look, you've got to hire good personnel. Recruiting is certainly where it's at, and Ed's got that. But it's also about relationships with people. It's about being able to hire the right people and to assemble them. And I think it was a convergence of things. What we've seen is a great young talent, motivated young talent in Joe Burrow comes over, wants to, loves football, grew up around football, is basically done with his schooling, spends all he has is one class, um, you know, correspondence class, basically spending all of his time in football, extremely talented, but extremely hard worker, extreme uh, leadership qualities, and you've got a touch of spice, as we like to call it in South Louisiana, of an offense that he knew, he understood, and it was about taking what the quarterback could do and allowing him to flourish, and basically he's like the coordinator on the field, calling the plays. You throw in great receivers that can go up and make plays for him, great young tight end, Randy Moss's kid. You've got an offense that, quite frankly, is the best offense I have seen in a one-year sample in 50 years of watching football. Um, Miami 2001, Nebraska 1995, Florida State had a good offense in 2013. There's been some good ones. Boy, there have been some good ones. No one has done a better job in one year than this. Others certainly are in the conversation, but it's been phenomenal. It is, without a doubt, the greatest year in LSU football history. Now, those of you may not know, I grew up in the state of Louisiana. I live in the state of Louisiana. I went to school at LSU, walk on there, and 
was started my coaching career at LSU before I got into the NFL um, and moved back home to Louisiana when my parents got ill and continued to do my NFL work and now my consulting work for NFL and college programs. I do it from Baton Rouge. Um, it's where I grew up. Louisiana is a unique place. 79% of the people that live in the state of Louisiana are from here. It's not the type of place that many people move to just to move to. You're either from here or your work brings you here or you don't live here. It's it's not like a Texas or a California or a Florida. It's not like a Nashville, Tennessee or any place. It is... Not a lot of transients here. So what you have is a deep-rooted people's parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, great-great-grandparents all followed LSU football. Back in the old days, it was listening to them on radio. Now it's watching on TV, going to games, tailgating, living it, breathing it, That's what Louisiana football, LSU football is all about. And it is unique in that it is a very, very fertile high school football state. Lots of outstanding coaches. Lots of quality athletes in the state. And for the most part, they all grow up wanting to be Tigers. Because there is no other major school in the state of Louisiana. It's not like Mississippi or Florida or Alabama or Georgia or Tennessee or South Carolina or North Carolina, Texas. It's one school in the state that is fertile with players. And I can remember going to LSU football games with my parents, my brothers. And we're going to games as kids and following it. And the passion that was there, and back in those days, if you didn't go to the game, you didn't see it because there was not but one game on TV back in the day a week. As things have grown, as we've seen times change and more games on TV, and as I was a young coach at LSU, um, there was a time that I, my thought was I never wanted to leave LSU because anything that wasn't LSU was not something for me. I, you know, But as things change, and I always say you can be at your place that you love, but it's the people that you're with, and opportunities come along, and I move on and go into the NFL. I, I, I got a perspective once I left and found a way to keep in connect. I, 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 in some ways, when you move away, you have a greater appreciation for what you grew up around, what you grew up with, and the people that are there. So for me, I always had the connection because my parents were there. And as I said, I moved back when they got um, became elderly. 
And so it, it is a special moment in a special year. It's about the most fascinating year of football I can remember for one school, if you think about it. Every award, Heisman Trophy, Coach of the Year, Assistant Coach of the Year, Bolitnikoff winner. I mean, if there was an award in college football, LSU won it. They also won every one of their games this year. In fact, never really trailed in the fourth quarter all season long. But we headed into the championship game, and anything other than a win would have just stained the season. You can't be the best ever. You can't achieve your goals if you don't win your final game, if you're not the champion. So... The deed needed to be finished, and finish it was. I thought the first quarter of the game was the worst quarter that LSU played all year long, and give Clemson credit for that. Let me say this. Um, having gone to the game and coming back, really, like, that's why we're getting this podcast to you a little different. I literally watched the tape coming back from the game. I had somebody driving me. that I watched the tape coming back. And I got to tell you, it may not seem like it, Clemson played really good in breaking down the tape. The pass rush was good. The coverage was outstanding. They mixed their pressures. They got Joe Burrow confused early. Talked about it. If you follow me on Twitter, I kind of covered a lot of that during the course of the game. But the adjustments were made. The vision of of how things were playing out. You could see LSU beginning to get confidence. They could not slide protect the entire game. They did a poor job of protecting the A and B gap. So what was happening early is... Clemson was bringing pressure between the center guard gap. And the way you have to protect that, you have to let the wide guy come free. You have to slide inward. Because the quarterback can buy just a tad bit of time versus wide pressure because the receivers have a chance to win on their route and get open. But if you leak pressure up the middle, if you allow pressure right in the face of the quarterback through the A or B gap, quarterback has no chance because there's no time for the receiver to get open and now you're having to kill the play that was happening they never really adjusted very well in their slide protections but what they did do is they did find ways creatively to get the ball out quicker I thought that their commitment to the run and the short pass was imperative or else Clemson can tee back on them tee off on them, and they did for a stretch. And then they were able to develop a rhythm. Joe Burrow was able to figure out where some of the pressures were coming from. They were able to figure out the coverages a little bit better, and then off they go. What about 
Joe Burrow, 5,671 passing yards. No other SEC quarterback in a year has gone over 4,500. Shattered that record. Shattered every single season record in college football history for one year. This offense, this quarterback. It was the first college loss for Trevor Lawrence. Um, against three of the top four ranked teams in the country, Joe Burrow threw 16 touchdown passes and no interceptions. 60 touchdown passes. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. His vision, his ability to keep his eyes downfield is uncanny. Um, Trevor Lawrence didn't play like Trevor Lawrence you would expect him to play. He missed a lot of throws, uh, and a lot of them came on, came on third downs. LSU only allowed defense only allowed one first down on third down. LSU's defense under Dave Aranda did a phenomenal job. He completed, Trevor Lawrence did, six of his first eight passes. Then he went like 10 for his next 24. So LSU's defense deserves a lot of credit. So all sorts of record. It was nine straight 300-yard passing games. 13th of the year for Joe Burrow. Unbelievable. I thought defensively Patrick Queen set the stage for the defense. I thought LSU up three points. Outlet pass to Travis Etienne. Don't know if you were able to see this on TV. Patrick Queen Queen makes the stop. I know you saw that. But what you may not have seen, that play could have gone for a long touchdown run. And instead, it knocked him into fourth down. And it could have been a huge difference because that would have likely set up a score. Clemson could have gone ahead. And I don't know that they would have been able to control Joe Burrow, but we might have seen Joe Burrow have to come back and play from behind for the first time. Still, no time at any point this year. His LSU trailed in the fourth quarter. Venables with his blitzes came from every direction, the middle, both edges, um, some unscouted looks, but really a good job of adjusting to it. I thought that LSU's offense, they did a good job with their formation, formationing the play to see whether it was man coverage. They checked the play. Um, Burrow would look to the sideline in position to take the snap. Based on that, they were able to get good one-on-one matchups. So it was un- unbelievable. I thought it was pivotal at the end of the first half. It's third and 19, 229, 230 left before the half. There's a pass interference on Clemson. LSU gets in position. At that point, thinking maybe to get a field goal, Joe Burrow on a draw gets it deep into the territory. Then they come back with a touchdown pass to Thad Moss, and that was huge. But again, Going into the second half, 
it was imperative that Clemson get a stop defensively because a score by LSU to start the second half would have ended the game right there, would have basically put it out of reach. But Clemson got off the field defensively, and Clemson came back and scored and then got off the field down by three. That's the play I'm talking about. So I thought in that third quarter, Queen's play and the play of the defense coming up with some big stops. Uh, I thought Trevor Lawrence made some plays with his legs, but probably not enough. He just couldn't do enough in the passing game. There were some missed opportunities, some high throws, some pressures that caused him. But the defense, I thought, played well. I'm going to tell you, it was more about what LSU did and not what Clemson didn't do. It it as I broke it down and wish it could show it to you on tape, how good Clemson was able to play and the rush and combination coverages continued to work. Um, but it, it it worked for a while. It didn't work long enough. Look, I mean Clemson got the two point conversion. The analytics kinda said, hey, go for it, got it to three. That was the first two-point conversion attempt in college football playoff history, by the way. It was the ideal start in the second half. No question. But it is something to behold to watch this team all year long, what LSU was able to do. I thought defensively, LSU did a good job. They didn't play as much four-eye technique, head-up. Over the tackle, they played more shade, allowed them to play Clemson's outside zone more effectively. Um, and Burrow took care of the blitz pressure himself. They ran away from it um, and made big-time play after big-time play, play extensions. Uh, unbelievable. Unbelievable performance. Um, the, the, the one area that I thought that LSU struggled with, again, was their protections in handling the twists, the stunts, the pressures, but just what an outstanding performance of adjusting, outstanding. You know, you're talking about maybe the best defensive coordinator in the country in Brent Venables and the job that he did putting together a game plan that would kind of rent space in Joe Burrow's mind and confuse him. Well, boy, he did that. They held him to nothing in the first quarter. But that is where you you kind of crack the code going into the game. And you get four-man pressures beating them. But LSU knew that in time, they would be able to figure it out. LSU got the field position, uh, excuse me, Clemson got the field position advantage early. Caused a lot of problems. Um, LSU started to make the adjustments and started to turn things around in their favor, making play after play. Offensively, they just made plays like they have all year long in the passing game. Receivers um, just winning the 50-50 balls. And quite frankly, that's what Clemson does. And if I were to say, well, what was the difference in the game? What was the deciding factor? If you're Clemson, what could have been different? How could the it, it was just a simple case of 
LSU quarterback play was able to get the ball on target to where his receivers could make plays for him. In in this game, and Trevor Lawrence is going to be a great player at this level and on the next level, he was not able to get the ball to his receivers so that they could make plays on the 50-50 balls. That, to me, was the difference because I thought both defenses had, again, good game plans and did good jobs. But you're talking about now trying to defend some offenses with loaded playmakers and really well coached and really good quarterbacks. So, you know, the the point total, you know, I say, well, you give up that many points. How could it be a good defensive game? I know – that people will look and say, man, that's how could it be? I'm telling you, in looking and drilling down into the tape, it's a pretty good game plan, pretty good execution of it. And they'll look at it and say, you know, I don't know. If they lined up and did it again next week, I don't know that they could play it any better. And I really don't think – I think, for example – because it's been asked, Ohio State would not have fared very well because Ohio State would have struggled to score enough points offensively in their own right, and that's where the difference was. This was a game in which the offenses were going to have to score lots, and Clemson couldn't do it, could not keep up for four quarters. So uh, a great performance for Clemson, folks. Clemson is in better shape going forward than just about anybody. Why? Got Trevor Lawrence coming back, talented team coming back. They've got nobody in the ACC that's even close to them. I think Florida State will get better, but Florida State in in five years won't be where Clemson is because they've got that far of a head start. It's just until Clemson comes back to the pack, and we don't know what the future is going to hold. I say that, but the reality is, is unless something bad happens to Clemson and they lose. They'll certainly lose coaches. They're losing one now, but they've got things in place. Clemson's rolling, okay, and certainly in the short term, they are the like they were this past year, an almost virtual lock to make it again next year. It would be a shock if they don't make it to the playoffs again next year because the degree of how good they are relative to who they play in their conference week in and week out is huge. They play Notre Dame next year, um, but the challenges are great. The challenges are great, uh, are not great, and it's going to allow them to make their way back. They're they're very talented. They've got a great future. Where does LSU go? Certainly LSU's replacing um, Joe Burrow. I do think Joe Brady is going to likely stay at LSU. Spoke with them and didn't really get into it. Uh, we'll talk with them. I know Joe very well. I do think uh, he feels like he's not quite ready to be a coordinator, certainly at the NFL level. But the right opportunity, I think you'd have to listen to it. I, I would say there's probably a 70% chance he's returning at LSU. But there will be without Joe Burrow. Miles Brennan. Someone else coming in as a transfer is not 
going to have the same year as Joe Burrow. It's not possible to have as good a year as they did. But they can still have a good one, and I think they're confident. I do agree. I've had people, a couple of coaches that talked with that were at the game, said that LSU looked different after they beat Alabama. And they're right. They did look different. And what was different is the swagger. It was the confidence. See, everything pre-Alabama was, yeah, we're good. We made progress, but you know, we we let's let's see, you know, if we can get it done against Alabama. You know, haven't done that. Let, let, let's see how that works. Well, it worked very well. It worked very well. So after that game, you saw that team play with a lot of confidence, a lot of juice, and what they were able to do, if you consider it. LSU beat seven of the top-ranked teams of the top ten teams in the country, seven out of the top ten at the time that they played them. It's unbelievable. If you look at the Clemson, Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, beat all of those teams. Um, Very, very impressive, and and certainly you'd have – your top five, top six would have those teams in it. LSU beat them all. So they went through the toughest path. They were never trailed in the fourth quarter. They were a dominant team, and they finished off with all the awards. There will be a statue of Joe Burrow alongside the late Billy Cannon in front of LSU, who will be forever a Tiger. It is a story book finish. It's a storybook event. Everything from his family, everything what he's done to raise money for the his native Athens, Ohio, all of it's just been phenomenal. So uh, just all hail to LSU. Appreciate um, uh, the, the time and, and uh, going through all of that. We're, again, as we go forward, going to be breaking down all the news and notes in the off season is what we we do in this new format. Going to be breaking down each and uh, every conference, a different conference every day. But we're going to be talking about the national news again. A reminder that uh, the biggest news we're kind of looking out for is the transfer portal. Derek King has entered the transfer portal. Some news around the ACC. Boston College has hired Matt Applebaum as their offensive line coach. He's from Towson, a good young coach. Um, Florida State's had a couple more transfers. We're, we're seeing is some guys that are not the ideal fits of what Mike Norville wants and guys recruited by um, Willie Taggart. Malcolm, um, the freshman, uh, Malcolm is transferring over to FAU. Trey McKitty's transferring to Georgia, the tight end. Um so we've got uh, more news. If you want more news, check out the notebook at LandryFootball.com where we've got news and notes like this as well as All-Star Game invites, which is next on my calendar to go to in my scouting work. And we've got all of that covered up on LandryFootball.com. Too uh, numerous to get into on the show and cover it all. Again, Nick Rolovich, as we tweeted out yesterday, the Hawaii coach, is going to be the new coach at Washington State. Uh, and A.J. Appenza of Iowa has announced 
that he is declaring for the NFL draft. We're going to see more and more of that, uh, particularly um, players off the championship game announcing here. So we want to remind you again that um, if you have a business that you'd like to promote and you feel uh, we can help you, we'd love to talk with you. Um, So we're in conversations with folks. TJ is heading that up. So send me an email at LandryFootball.com. Hit Contact Chris and I'll forward it over to TJ, and we'll get you involved. Thanks to the folks at 401k Generation for bringing you this podcast today and every day. Um, You can call or text them at 1-866-998-5879. Eddie Rojas and his team can help you with all your financial money management, investment inquiries, and just to make sure that you're on track to meeting your financial goals. He's there to help you with all of that. And again, a reminder – Every day, join us for a little college football talk, national talk at the top, then followed by a little bit more conference breakdowns each and every day, with the conference schedule being SEC Mondays, ACC Tuesdays, Big Ten Wednesdays, we'll break that down tomorrow, Big 12 Thursdays, and Pac-12 Fridays. So we've got it covered for you all right here um, on Landry Football's conference call. Go and sign up today. Search iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast, and sign up for Landry Football's Conference Call. That's where you'll find all conference podcasts. The SEC Football, the ACC Football Show, the SEC Football Show, the Big Ten Show, the Big 12 Show, the Pac-12 Show, Pac-12 and beyond, ACC and beyond. That's what we're calling it. So we've got it covered for you each and every day right here. So make sure that you join us, at least at the top, so that you get the latest so you can, and the reason why we're doing this is so that doing it once a week is fine, but then you have gaps. If you do it, say, on Wednesday and there's some news Thursday and Friday, it's got a hold of the next week, and sometimes there's more important stuff. So, you know, if something happens on a Thursday and it's the Big 12 day, it happens in the Big 10 or the ACC, the SEC, we're going to talk about it, and we're going to get into the, the Big 12 talk. So it's a way for you to still get your uh, feel for your conference once a week, but get a feel for everything that might involve your conference at the beginning of the show every day. So we like it. We think it's going to work well. We want your feedback. Again, send me any questions over at LandryFootball.com. Contact Chris, and we will get it to you. Hey, appreciate you joining us. Join me again tomorrow on another edition of Landry's Football's Conference Call. Talk to you next time, everybody.